All right, guys, let's see if we can wrap up the teaching on Genesis chapter 3 today, but let's do a quick review. Last time we stopped dealing with the judgment of the serpent, Satan, and the woman. And basically for the serpent, he went from being the greatest of all of God's creatures to being made the less, the least of all of God's creatures. That is with the exception of mankind. Okay. And then we also dealt with that prophecy concerning the Messiah, Genesis 3 and 15, dealing with the seed of the woman. And we also made uh, comments concerning also the seed of the serpent, that is the devil himself. How that the serpent, the devil, will cause damage to the seed of the woman, the Messiah, Jesus, that has to do with what? His crucifixion on the cross, but ultimately the Messiah, Jesus, will have the total victory by destroying the serpent. And that basically deals with the casting of Satan into the lake of fire. And that has to do with the crushing of the head of the serpent. And then finally, the judgment concerning the woman is all of the pain that would be involved in the rearing of children. All right. Now let's start. Let's go to Genesis three. We're going to start at verse number 17 today as we deal with the judgment concerning the man. Now, what you have to remember is this. According to Genesis chapter two, when God created the man, God commanded the man alone. Now, I know Adam gave instructions concerning uh, what to do. That is, don't touch the tree. I'm sorry. That wasn't quite right, was it? Don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil that's in the midst of the garden. We know that Adam gave Eve those instructions because Eve was not even created when this instruction was given only to Adam. But the reason why I'm taking a little time to pause on this particular issue is you have to understand, even though Eve contributed, she influenced the man to sin. Eve did not break the commandment because the commandment was not given to Eve. The commandment was only given to Adam. And we see that in the book of Romans, especially time and time again, that by one man, sin entered into the world. So sin did not enter because Adam and Eve broke the commandment. Sin or who transgressed the commandment of God was the one to whom God gave the commandment to. That is the man alone, Adam alone. Okay. Now let's go into Genesis three and 17 and see what happens once God comes into judgment with Adam. Then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Now let's begin to dissect this part. Notice what God said in the first thing. Because you listened to the voice of your wife. In other words, it goes back to what we were talking about once again, mentioned in Corinthians as well as Timothy, that when both Adam and Eve were at the tree, speaking to the serpent and the serpent was giving them a bunch of lies. In other words, remember we said that he was trying to say that God was being jealous 
and covetous of his knowledge of good and evil. He didn't want them to know that. But if they were to eat the fruit, their eyes would become open and they would see good and evil come to know it like God would know it. All right. Here's the here's the point. As is taught in Corinthians as well as Timothy, Adam never believed any of that. Adam didn't believe any of that. So the question is, if Adam didn't believe what the serpent was saying, that if he would disobey God, he would become wise in good and evil like God. Why did Adam eat? Here is the answer. Verse 17. Adam didn't eat because he believed the lie and was deceived. He ate because he was simply persuaded by his wife. Notice what God said again, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. No other reason. And that is sometimes a problem today. And that's why as men, as godly leaders, as spiritual leaders, the OK, I tell you what, let me make an aside right here. The wife is our greatest partner. And we find that in Genesis chapter two. What does the Bible say? She was taken from the man and therefore a man shall what? Leave father and mother be joined to his wife. That is an establishment of a new unbreakable relationship. And then it finally said, and they both shall be a hard, which is the Hebrew word for one. They will be one flesh inseparable. So the relationship that is formed between a man and his wife is an inseparable bond of unity. But nevertheless, in this inseparable bond between equals, notice what I said, guys, between equals, there is still order in the relationship. The husband is the head of the wife. He is the spiritual leader of the family. He is the one through whom God will spiritually bless the family. That is what we call the divine order of things. Notice again, what did the apostle Paul says? Man is the head of the woman and, and, and what? Christ is the head of man and even God is the head of the Messiah. So therefore there is spiritual order in all things. And what happened was Adam failed to maintain his leadership position that God had given him. And now instead of him leading lovingly, leading his wife as the head of the family, he is now following his wife instead of leading her. And that is a problem that persists even unto this day. Men should be the leaders of their home. Men are also determined by God to be the leaders in the house of God as well as Adam was the priest in the garden of Eden, not Eve as Adam was given the commandment, not Eve. Okay. But nevertheless, so the scripture says what his failure was that he listened to the voice of his wife above the commandment, the voice of God and disobeyed God. All right. Then he says there is a curse. Now here's something else that I want to take a little time in. A lot of people have seen that at this particular junction, here is when Adam seeing that God cursed mankind. Notice closely what the text says. 
Cursed is the ground because of you. Now, what I want you to see is this. Even though the man did sin, Adam, as a representative for the whole human race, even though man sinned, God never cursed him. We are never cursed of God. Now, we can make ourselves accursed of God when we completely reject God, but God himself never cursed the man. All right. What did he curse? He cursed the ground. Remember, as God gave the command in Genesis chapter one, when God told the man to be fruitful and multiply, have dominion. And God gave the man his habitation, the earth. And the whole point is the earth was intended by God to freely and to easily bring forth crops and vegetation to feed mankind. It was intended to be an effortless thing. It was just, just stick it in the ground for the most part, do a little bit to it and boop, such a beautiful and wonderful harvest. God says, no longer will this be an occasion. Now the ground will be cursed. And instead of you simply planting things that will easily grow, notice in toil, in toil, you'll eat of it all the days of your life. So now the ground will grudgingly bring forth its fruits. 18. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. So once again, in verse number 18, he just simply saying the difficulties that it will be in raising crops and giving, getting the bounty of the earth, or should I say from the earth that it would have naturally brought forth. So now all you get, as we say down here in the South, you get a bunch of Johnson grass and it's very difficult to grow anything without a bunch of pesticides, herbicides, and all of that. So this is the reason why we have such difficulty in the growing and raising of crops. All right. And again, he talks about the hard labor in verse number 19 when he says by the sweat of your face. So that is the difficulty it is in working the land. And finally, he's now mentions. Remember, he told Adam, he said, listen, do not disobey me. Do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil for the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. And now here we have another iteration of the physical death. Now you have to recall guys that we told you earlier. Remember when the Bible says when Adam ate of the fruit of the tree, both their eyes came open and notice what did they begin to do? Try to cover themselves, hide themselves from one another, hide themselves from God, make fig aprons to cover their sexual organs. Remember that part? That's spiritual death. It happened the very instant he disobeyed. He died spiritually. But not only will the man die spiritually, but he will also fulfill what God talks about in dying physically. And here it is again. Listen, till you return to the ground. Why? Concerning the ground. Remember Genesis chapter two, when God got ready to make Adam, he went to the ground. Adam is a terrestrial creature made to 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 
act or to deal or to, to have domain and dominion over the terrestrial earth. And so therefore from the ground he came and now because of judgment to the ground, he returns again. And this is the sentence of death. But by the mercies of our God, God gave him at least a, a, a roughly a round. We don't know exactly how long it was before Adam disobeyed, but the totality of his years before he went to the ground, 930 years. Okay, 20. Now the man called his wife's name Eve, Hava. That's the name in Hebrew, Hava. Eve, because, and that is a cognate of the word living. That is a cognate of the word living. And so that's what it says. He called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Okay. And basically what we see once here again is this. It is a reestablishment of the divine order. Notice when we go, when we went to Genesis chapter two in the creation of the woman, she was taken from the side of the man she was brought by God to the man, presented to the man. And, th and what you have to understand is this. She was a gift unto him. She was a gift unto him. Okay. But anyway, she was brought to, to the man by God. And notice it was the man who said she shall be called woman. That is once again, a demonstration and an exercise of his authority. That was the, his exercise of authority over the woman before sin, before there was any sin whatsoever. Now we are at this particular point where we are now in sin. The whole, the whole thing is going down. When sin enters, here comes death. But I'm, I'm a little premature, so I won't touch that right now. But everything is going bad. The question is, has the divine order changed? And here now we see the man reestablishing his authority even over his wife. What does he do once again? Verse number 20, he names her. Even at this junction, the woman still does not choose her own name, but Adam gives her a name. So once again, what am I hammering out? That divine order in the relationship is now even in sin being reestablished. Okay. 21. And we're going to probably need to take a little bit of time concerning verse number 21. And I also made another video concerning this particular point in 21 that you guys may want to take a look at. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. All right. So now let's just stop. We see what's going on. Remember, okay, first of all, let's. They disobeyed God, namely Adam disobeyed God, right? When he did, sin nature awoke in both of them and all types of wickedness in turn. That's what we mean by sin nature. That internal thing about sin, the ugly thoughts, the ugly desires, the things that 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 part of us that wants to do was not pleasing or not right with God. The sin nature awoke 
And remember, at first, Adam and Eve in the garden with each other, looking at each other. What did the Bible say? Chapter two, I think it was what, verse 25. They were both naked and unashamed. There's nobody else. They have no children, just the man and the woman looking at each other's nakedness all the time. They had no problems with it. But notice once sin awoke, sin awoke by their dis Adam's disobedience. All of a sudden, what happens? They begin to cover themselves. Why are they covering themselves? Because now the ugliness is born. The ugly thoughts are born. Or should I even, let me say it so you guys can get exactly what I'm saying. Pornographic thoughts. Now, even though that's his wife, his thoughts concerning her when he looked at her were no longer the same. They were no longer pure and innocent. And so what did they do? They sold aprons. Why? Hiding themselves from themselves. Why should the man hide himself from his wife? Because in the wife from her husband, because internally things have gone wrong. And so what did they try to do? Cover themselves. But now here's the thing. They covered themselves with fig leaves. So I want to deal with two aspects of that. Okay. Two aspects of that. They sinned and sin brought forth shame and they tried to cover their shame. Now notice, make the connection. They tried to cover their shame, dot, 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 sin. They tried to cover their sins, shame by making fig leaves. Okay. And here's what you have to see. You have to see this part, guys. They tried to cover their shame slash sin. They tried to cover it. You got it? Now let's get to verse number 21. Now we see the Lord God making garments of skin for Adam and his wife. Now, if they're already covered with the aprons, then why did God need to cover it? Because there is a point that God is trying to make. So now let's watch it very closely. When Adam and Eve made coverings for themselves, they made it from, remember, fig leaves. When God made coverings, what did he make it? From skin. That is the skin of an animal. What did God cause them to see? What did God cause Adam and Eve to realize? That's when the apostle Paul teaches this. Not only the judgment. See, notice, notice. Not only the judgment that will fall on the human race because of sin, you're going to die. You eat it, you will surely die. And death has been marching ever since there has been a world. It has been marching upon every human being born into the world except for a couple of exceptions. But the point is, the wages of sin is death. Now, that statement is a principle, guys. That statement is a principle. But what happened in verse number 21, God made them see this and realize disobedience, the cost of sin up until this time in creation. Up until this time, nothing has died. Nothing has died. But now, all of a sudden, if God took the skins, that's why it uses that term, the skins, an animal had to die. So God himself 
had to make. Now, now take all of uh, all of the typological, all, all of the, the spiritual inferences that we're making here. God himself. God, can you imagine that God himself taking an animal? And God removing the skin from the animal. But before God removed the skin from the animal, what did he have to do? The animal had to be put to death. And in the being put to death concerning the animal, what did you see? The shedding of blood. The what? Shedding of blood. For by only the shedding of blood do we have the what? Remission of sin. So God is letting them know that the only way that you can be covered, see, even though there is a physical covering for the body, there is a spiritual statement that God is trying to make. The only way your shame, your sins can be covered, it is through bloodshed. That is by virtue of sacrifice. The, in, in other words, the only way you can deal with sin is by the shedding of blood. And what do we have? We have the shedding of blood of an innocent animal. The animal was unnamed, but that animal died. His blood was shed so that a covering could be made for the man and the woman. That brings in another principle of substitution. Notice substitution. You got what? Blood, blood from that animal that had to die in order to provide covering. And then the animal itself, who was the innocent party, but yet the animal died to cover. And then finally, our final point in this, notice the Lord God made it. Beautiful. Notice what I'm saying. He didn't tell Adam, Adam, go kill a goat and then take the skin off the goat and cover yourself. He didn't do that. God did the killing, the shedding of blood and the covering himself. So the point that God is trying to make here is this salvation and atonement can come by God and through God alone. There is absolutely nothing that we can do to provide for our salvation. If God do, does not do the saving, then saving cannot be done. If God doesn't do the covering, then there is absolutely nothing that we can do to cover or atone. And those words are very similar in Hebrew. Kifar. There is nothing that we can do to cover our sins. God must provide. And all of that, everything that I said is a complete picture of Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus is the God of heaven who covered our sins. Jesus is the lamb of God who was killed on the cross whose blood made atonement for our sins. And if Jesus did not willingly submit himself, there would not have been an atonement. So the whole point of this is this. It is God who covers the sin. It is God who provides the atonement for sin. And it is God who makes a way. God determines the rules. God establishes how sin is forgiven. If God doesn't cover the shame, forgive the sin, 
It remains. I don't care what you did. Remember what Adam and Eve did? They made covering for themselves. Still not good enough. God must provide it. He must provide the atonement. And therefore, atonement can only come by his hand on his turn. And we understand that as a blood sacrifice. Or in other words, as John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus walking by the seashore, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knew that it would be Jesus who is sent by God, the one of God who provides the blood. Because when we say lamb of God, that's mean blood sacrifice, blood sacrifice. And what is his purpose? Take away the sin, the covering. That's what we see happening here in the garden. Okay. All right. Let's see. Can we wrap it up? Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. OK, so now man is in a sinful condition. He's still in the Garden of Eden. And remember, there were two trees. That was the tree of testing. That is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Adam failed that test. And there was the tree of reward, the tree of life. Had Adam had passed his test and not eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God would have permitted him to take from the tree of life and live forever. But now Adam has passed his, has flunked, failed his test, and now he is in a sinful condition. And now God, now what you have to understand is this, God is acting mercifully. God, the judgment has already come. The putting him out of the garden is this. He's sinful. There's no doubt. Given the opportunity, he's going to take from the tree of life. What would happen if he took from the tree of life? He would live forever. And how would he live forever? In that maintained sinful condition. In that maintained sinful condition. So what does God do? Mercifully. Mercifully. So you don't have to stay like that. Get on out of here for your own good, okay? All right, but let's go back to it. So he knows good and evil. Now he has the sin nature. Don't let him eat from the tree, right? So God sent him out. Now here's the thing, verse number 23, God sending him out. Actually the verb, I think it's appeal type verb, but anyway, deals with intensiveness, which means to drive out, to drive out. God drove him out. Remember how it used to be when God would come in the cool of the day, sounds like the evening time. He's coming down to fellowship with the man and the woman and they have a good time and talk and whatever. Who knows what they did when God would come down. But it was clear they enjoyed one another. Now look how things have changed. Instead of them enjoying one another and man being in the presence of God, now the man is driven away from the presence of God. What a stark 
contrast in how things used to be. No longer in fellowship. That's what he's saying. Finally, so he drove the man out at the east, and at the east of the garden he stationed the cherubim. The cherubim, once again, see a teaching that I did on the order of angels, but the cherubim is the highest order of angels. So at the, in the way to enter the garden of Eden, he put an angel to stand as a guard and he also put the flaming sword. It was a sword of fire that turned in every direction. How sad it is, how sad it is. Not only is the man driven from the garden, but God bars him from the pleasant pleasantries that would have been his, that could have been his, had he only obeyed. And you know what goes in my mind, guys? I bet you many days he and his wife would pass by the garden and look and see, and possibly whether or not the angel was made visible, I don't know, but the text seems to indicate that the angel was visible. But one thing the text does indicate is the sword was clearly visible. So you knew you couldn't get in there. So, but the point I'm making is how sad it is, how sad it was for the man to have to walk by the garden or whatever he did. And all he would see was that sword constantly flashing, constantly flashing, saying to him, Stay out. You are no longer welcome to hear. How sad it is. How sad it is. But when we get to the book of Revelation, it's not all bad because at the very end, the very tree of life that Adam was barred from, God says to those who believe in Jesus as Messiah, he will give you what Adam didn't get a chance to get what that is a right to eat from the tree of life all right guys catch you next time